Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Service Monster Podcast. You can see it's going to be a little bit different today, and we are going to totally go off the rails. We'll start with some Service Monster stuff, but then we want to talk about just some interesting media uh, and some genius personalities that we've come across uh, over our travels these last few years. And, of course, during the quarantine, spending time on entertainment maybe a little bit more than we used to. But before we do all of that, Adam, what are we talking about today? Yeah, just some kind of quick service sponsor news for everyone who listens for that particular aspect of the show. Um, I'm going to start with mobile because there's there's some definitely some major interest on, on the tablet side of, of mobile, Joe. We've definitely kind of been working at Smug on that and kind of internally we've been wanting to do some work there. So just kind of want to take a second to talk about the tablet journey. I don't want anyone to freak out if someone heard the word tablet and started like dancing for joy um, on their end. We're doing kind of a couple of different phases on tablet. And the first one that we're doing is working on kind of horizontal screen rotation and just really just basic fundamental use. So you guys don't have any issues with your keyboard on tablet or just kind of some basic things. We're not, we're not going full blown yet. We have another pass that um, Joe and I have already had some initial discussions on and it's gonna be really, really cool once we have that out. But that's what we're working on right now is the first phase of tablets. You guys can at least get some basic functionality there um, for those of you who have that want to utilize that extra screen space. So that's kind of what mobile's working on right now. We, uh, I don't think it'll be quite out by the time this podcast um, is released, but it'll be really close. So it'll be kind of like in that, um, you know, within a week of when this drops. So that's kind of what we're looking at right now. On the desktop side, we have some probably more exciting news. And that is 652 releases live. So, I mean, that, I mean, right as we're filming, it's live. And it includes a new account overview tab, which is kind of your new default page when you enter into an account. It's going to give you guys some really cool kind of snap um, data so you can collect that and kind of, it's kind of your action page when you're on the account. Um, you still have your, your old details tab if you wish to utilize that, um, but the default will be this new one. Highly encourage you guys to check it out. Joe and I, in particular, spend a lot of time on this page. We're really excited to get that out to you. We also introduced account tags, which is something we've been excited. Um, I've really been chomping at the bit for this for a while. It got shelved about halfway through. Joe and I have been kind of really wanting to get it out, and we're excited for that. So this is kind of the first iteration of tags. We'll likely be adding some tags in other areas, potentially, as well. So kind of let us know. Utilize that. Use some of the marketing campaigns utilizing that. We have help articles that go into that. And that actually kind of steers me into another thing that I really want to hone in for our existing users. Is we have our in-app training, and I hope that any of you guys who are using Service Monster 6 are aware of that at this point, where you know, a little talking head um, pops up in the bottom right-hand corner, right? It's either Joe or myself or Mary, kind of guides you through a quick 90-second occasionally it gets up to two minute mark, but usually like a 90 second clip, just kind of showing you the basics of how to utilize um, one of the new features. And we're always going to have on a major release, if there is a major new feature involved, we'll have something in there that is tied to that release. So if you go into your in-app training lessons and just view all of them, there's a little tab that sorts them by release you can always see the newest features in that regard so that if you need to train yourself or any of your staff just to get eyeballs on it to see if it's something you want to incorporate. The other thing to be on the lookout for is Michael, um, smiling face down there, 
he will always post a what's new section that includes the release notes on these these major releases and even we have hot fix items in there as well so really want to drive attention to that you can you can even just go to our help site and search for release notes you can always find the most up-to-date notes you can kind of track if there's something you've been kind of waiting for um to kind of make sure that if you miss an announcement somewhere that's always there so yeah wow a lot going on um we're excited for that also if any of you guys have quickbooks online if you're a new user maybe you're interested in potentially coming over we actually have quickbooks online self-import is now available to you guys whoop, we used to <laughs> we used to do that on our end like we, we would be pushing the buttons ourselves we wanted to make that easier and uh we also improved the UI uh, if you're using a CSV file. So it's a lot easier now when you kind of take that basic Excel file or CSV, um, if you guys are aware of what that means. Um, and you can, you can import your prospect lists now. Exactly. Boom. That's Boom. big. Yeah. Talk so. and adjust my camera. It's totally <laughs> impossible for just multitask. Yeah. Well, just, well, sometimes you got to throw those curveballs to the, uh, videographer so and he'll just be like oh your connection froze and they'll stick me in an ugly face for the second i was messing with the camera what's right. that joe dabbed all right that's going to be the uh the icon there boom yep um the last item kind of on the service sponsor news i'm gonna let you hype this one up joe because uh this one's pretty exciting so super duper super duper excited now the obsession right now of michael and myself uh as we set this up. So if you remember a few years ago, Service Monster put on a symposium, um, small gathering, single topic. And for us at the time, it was about focusing on their business in kind of a real tactile way. Um, so we got 25 businesses because the venue was small. We only, we only were looking for 25. Uh, we got a courtroom in uh, a nice hotel here in Bellingham, right on the coast. And for two days, we pressure cooked these businesses where we would either stand up and give scathing lectures. And uh, and, you know, if you've seen clips, right, I don't really hold punches. And some of those clips have made their way around. I think uh, Get Off the Truck, which now has, what, 600,000 views plus somewhere in that neighborhood. That particular um, video came from that show. And then we had kind of one-on-one -on -one coaching where we'd sit down in a table with like four or five other businesses, and then we'd focus on one business for half an hour and kind of outline real quick what they were all about and then conversations. And it was amazing. It went really good. And everybody came away from there. Um, deeper fans of Service Monster, Business Better, lifelong friendships, you know, understanding of what they're going through and what you guys are going through in a whole different way. And that was kind of pulled from my coaching experiences that have vistage so um we're bringing back the symposium but we're doing it virtually and this time we're not limiting um we're probably targeting i would say anywhere from 500 to a thousand attendees and um we would love to have you join us we've i don't know we haven't been working on it for too long it kind of came out of when we were talking to ourselves at a booth from another show we went to which i won't necessarily name because there was nobody there um you know handful of people um and again people that we already knew so we had great conversations with them but it was very clear to us through the number of people that came and the types of interaction that we were having 
everyone is starved for social interaction, especially with their peers. And that's the one thing that these events had always given us is this ability to interact directly, uh, business owner to business owner, um, get guidance directly from some of the leaders in the industry. We've been doing this a long time and have heard those stories thousands of times. And so we're going to take the essence of that event to create the Service Monster Cleaning Symposium, which will be December 10th, 11th, and 12th. That's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we won't go full days. Uh, we're dialing in the schedule. More information will become available, especially by the time you hear this, we should be much further along. Out of the 26 speakers that we asked to be um, involved in the program in varying ways, only 24 of them said, hell yes. <laughs> there was only two individuals who weren't um, either keen or just too busy. Um, and, and I get it. But, man, we're running the gambit here, guys. Like some of the best people in the industry, we wanted to say, hey, look, integrity, that's our first barometer because I'm not going to I'm not going to try and mentor or um, control the content of these speakers. If they want to pitch it at uh, their brand as part of their presentation, as long as it makes the presentation better. I want to build a meritocracy. So I want the people who attend to come back to us and say, yeah, I don't have that dude on again or say, oh, my gosh, like no holds barred because this person has a brand that's centered around this for 15 years. The intersection of that brand with their knowledge just made so much sense to further my understanding. Like, why would you take that toolbox away from speakers? So incredible speaker lineup. Um, we're getting vendors lined up over the next few weeks. If you're listening to this and you're a vendor, contact us. Um, we'll have uh, you know more details coming out. We're doing um, three essential portal pages so that you can keep up to date with what's going on. Uh, one's going to be uh, related to lectures. One's going to be related to vendors and one's going to be related to attendees. So we'll put links in the show notes by all the time this stuff comes out. So we're very excited. Um, there's going to be coaching sessions. There's going to be socialization environments. So you guys can just sit and chat with each other. Um, the coaching sessions will be ran by uh, myself and service monster team um, and Brandon Vaughn and the um, AGS team. So I'm super excited that, you know, that they're helping out uh, to do that, those individualized coaching sessions. Um, so guys, pay attention to that. Um, super excited. We might cap ticket sales, so get in early. There'll be benefit to you getting in early. You'll have access to a social platform. We'll be creating custom content on. And, uh, you know, I don't do very much personal stuff. Maybe I'll do a lot more personal stuff behind that wall uh, if you want to come chat and hang out. I'll get the speakers involved as well. Uh, so there'll be plenty of focused attention on the attendees, right? Not listening to the noise of everything else going on, like within Facebook or whatever. This is a place where we can kind of focus pre-trade show. So excited by all this stuff. More info coming soon. Perfect. Yeah, no, we're definitely, definitely excited. This all came up together pretty quickly. Um, but man, Whew. with that said, well, like Joe mentioned at, at the top, we're changing up the show a little bit uh, this week. We're not going to go into Entre Joe. Don DeMarco, bang, bang. We're not going to do any of the, the, the smug stuff uh, this week. We just kind of thought it would be nice um, 
this time around to maybe talk about something that wasn't so business focused. Um, you know, we've been dealing with COVID for the last you know six plus months at this point. Things are going a little bit differently for everyone's personal lives, right? And so we kind of thought it'd be a good time to talk about maybe something that's a little bit more on, on the entertainment side of things and kind of just have some pretty interesting topics here. And you guys might have noticed we haven't officially kind of said here, but the man who is typically behind the editing, behind the camera is joining us. So Justin! Justin. What's up, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have been kind of long time uh, listeners, watchers, you know, he's been, you know, peeked his head in on a couple of shows and such at this point. But it's always kind of fun to see the guy behind the camera. And I think it also is a great transition into kind of the first part of this that we want to talk about. So I'm just going to kind of say right at the beginning, um, this came out yesterday. Actually, yesterday. There's, a, there, there's a big trailer. Uh, if you guys are on the sci-fi side of things for the movie Dune. So why was that something we wanted to kind of talk about guys? I mean, uh, they had the uphill battle. I like talking about genius things, which is kind of going to be the theme here of the next uh, three or four topics we talk about. There'll be some business value in it too, but the focus is on genius, like genius, genius. Um, Justin, can you do screen share? Maybe we should just, that intro is only like two minutes long. We can wash it amongst ourselves and comment Um, and you can cut out whatever you want, but I think it'd be cool to kind of co-watch it before we talk too deep into it. What I do like though um, is man, talk about a battle like, You've got the books, you've got the original um, movie with Sting <laughs> in the late <laughs> 80s. Um, I grew up to that. And then, of course, excited for the sci-fi channel's promise. And for a TV movie, it wasn't bad. I, I won't, and they only did, what, six hours of content. So, uh, yeah, no, I, you know, and then who's going to take it on after that and do it right? So here we go. Yeah. All right. So, Justin, why'd you pick Dune? Uh, well, I've been waiting for this movie to come out for basically since it was announced. Uh, I think it was like right after the director, whose name I always get wrong. I think it's like Denis Villanovo or something like that. He's French Canadian, so it's, you know, um, that's not the. So he is pissed that you <laughs> pronounced it wrong. Right. Well, I'm Cajun French, so it's totally different worlds there. Um, but he has been on a just a legendary streak in terms of movie making. And the Dune series has been something that I've been into since I was a kid. Like my dad was obsessed with it. My brother was obsessed with it. And um, my brother was a kid when the 1984 movie came out. And so I grew up watching that. And even though it scared the heck out of me, I was still like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> and then I watched the the sci-fi series with them when that came out. And so when I knew this was coming out, I was like, I, I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. Well, when I, I knew, the, or go ahead. Sorry, Justin, that's my <laughs> fault. I, the really interesting thing that you and I have actually talked about is his last masterpiece was Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Um, and while it wasn't a, you know, smash commercial success, it, it did well. Um, and it, but it's a sequel to a cult classic that, you know, you're talking about Harrison Ford 30 years ago. There was already a pretty difficult film to work with back then. And then you're talking about a sequel to it and not screwing that up. I mean, how many times can we talk about sequels that, you know, come out 
30 years later and actually do the original justice. And it was phenomenal. Like it was mind blowing phenomenal. And ever since then, when they announced that they're going to work on a Dune project, everyone was like, it has to be him, but they have to grab him. He's the only one who can do this. And then, you know, now yeah. we're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, he's directed the last four movies he's directed. He hasn't written. And this is one that he like, there's, I guess, like for him, it was like a, a passion project he'd wanted to work on for the longest time. So knowing that going into it, uh, it, it just added more excitement to it. And um, so, yeah, I've been waiting for this trailer to drop. And then when it finally did, I was just I was just blown away. And, yeah, I've been just uh, the, geeking over it for the whole 24 hours it's been out. I've watched it probably right. 20 times. <laughs> it's gorgeous, like just from the clips, yeah. you know. Um, portraying that desert world or that galactic spacescape that the story takes place in uh, with all of its gross tips of the hat towards humanity's best and worst of all of us. It's uh, I, I'm super excited and I, and I hope they got this right. Um, but based on what you guys are saying about the director makes it uh, raises the bar even more, unfortunately, <laughs> whatever you know for sure um now you know i won't you, you, the the movies that sci-fi and uh and and the early one in the 80s um they were good they were good i don't think they did the story justice though fully and I, you see glimpse of it in both of those works like oh oh like that was the depth of the the story of the I mean, the aristocracy and all in all out villainy, <laughs> right. you know? So, um, yeah, very cool. I think what, what, I, what makes me excited about it is like with the, the 84 movie, it's like there's so many limitations that they had back then. And because it was like David Lynch was pretty unknown back then, it, he didn't get much budget to work with. So there's only so much they could do with it. And so now to give it like a fully realized world and like all the budget it needs to really like show you like what this universe is all about. I think that makes it all the more exciting. And uh, yeah, it also has a who's who you, you guys want to look up a cast. Oh, my goodness. The cast of this is mind blowing. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho, I think, is one of the, the greatest casting decisions of all time it i mean he's just so a good. god anyways like yeah. jason i've been a fan of jason's stuff since well before stargate atlantis yeah you know and that was that, one of that the was first breakups or knew him from yeah he had a couple things before that um oh, i can't remember off the top of my head um and then of course after that he got all beefed up for conan mm-hmm. and then of course you know game of thrones uh that was his you know Everybody, everybody knew him then. Yeah. <laughs> and then by the time uh, uh, what's Aquaman comes out, every all the guys are sick of seeing him. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, man, man Jason, why you make me look bad? <laughs> Is he going to take Jeez. his shirt off in every movie? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think it's actually really interesting. Uh, if you guys watch a lot of kind of behind the scenes or more in-depth actor interviews, not, not like this, the standard red carpet, What'd you eat for this movie? Like, like anyone really cares, yeah. but uh, they all kind of talk about, they are most interested in two things. Obviously the script, they want to have a story that they can actually, you know, work with the character. It's character they care about. But the other big thing is they want to work with, with 
directors, right? That's the big thing. Everyone wanted to work with Spielberg when he was going through his 20 years of, you know, amazing work. Everyone wants to work with, uh, I'm terrible with his name too, Villanueva, I think something like that. Tarantino. All the epic rap battle. James Cameron. Directors they did. James Cameron, you know, when he films a movie every 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, but that just kind of shows if you guys just look up the Dune cast, it'll blow your mind. Like both young talent, old talent, like it's all across the board. You're talking 20 plus, you know, high quality, both character and leading actors and actresses. So it just kind of speaks to that, you know, when you have that kind of level of genius, like Joe was talking about, people want to collaborate with, with you. They want to work with that. And so it's just kind of how it all kind of comes together and allows for these works that are really kind of, I mean, you're talking about a $200, 300000000 million film because to really do it justice, it requires so much CGI and everything else that they have to do for it. That is not a guaranteed commercial hit. You know, a lot of these um, companies, you know, they that's, that's why they churn out some of this, you know, sequel after sequel after sequels because it's safe. Or this reboots. Definitely not yeah. safe. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 characters that people understand. They're they're excited about because like, yeah, I grew up with them. And there's nostalgia there. That's a big part of why Dune and the Blade Runner example before were such long battles to get them to come out because it's not a guarantee. You know, there's a lot of dialogue-driven kind of story manipulation and so forth that goes on in the background. Not to mention the atmosphere that they're working with, like the world that they're, they're on. So, well, some of them are just going to be hard, even, even if we have the technical capabilities to do something different or cool, like who's going to want to remake princess bride. Who's going to want to remake, uh, you don't have to remake. Right. That's right. <laughs> even but, though they probably thought about it, but because how old is it now? And, you know, in another 20 years, that's going to be out of the general purview of the, the kids growing up then and so a reboot's not only good business because there's a market for it but it introduces the previous um canon to a whole new generation that's not what they're doing though not when we get a new spider-man reboot every three years <laughs> right there needs to be at least 40 or 50 years between them i mean if like if they like tomorrow said that they're going to reboot lord of the rings i would Destroy. You'd watch every single one of them. No. <laughs> yes, you would. No. <laughs> I'd sit in my corner like a hipster and just be angry and watch the original trilogy. I'd be like, how dare they? <laughs> Become but that. That, that brings up an interesting point, right? Which is uh, the gatekeepers of yore, of the old school, of the old guard. They still have some power and influence because they can do these giant projects, collaborating with people who have risen to the echelon of, you know, uh, entertainment we'll put it that way and uh of course in the last 20 years we've seen a massive shift in the gatekeeping from a few individuals who have command over power money influence and network to the general public as consumers of entertainment directly or direct to the consumer from the artists now on so many fronts whether it's song you know audio which doesn't take a lot of cash to do, you know, a really good audio piece and get yourself on SoundCloud or, um, you know, YouTube. It doesn't take a whole lot to get a webcam and start recording videos. And if your personality is solid and you're talking about interesting stuff, people will follow you. You know, we don't use media as a driving factor for Service Monster, but we certainly use it as a means of engagement with our audience. Um, but there are people like the non-working, the gig economy 
who are able to turn their ideas, um, their charisma, their uh, a creative genius towards the world and then let the world judge them and then bring that up. You know, one example, obviously, um, that you can take a look and kind of analyze hot wings. I mean, here's a guy just interviewing famous people. You've got to get famous people in to start with. But how do you get famous people in and not have the dick of an interview like you were referencing about, you know, the, the, the interviewee obsessing about how tight was that suit? Like, you know, <laughs> who cares? Like, what are you talking about? So but how do you disarm your um, the person you're interviewing and get a good interview out of it? And I think that Hot Wings is a good example. They uh, he use hot sauce. I- I'll be honest, man, I'd be done about five. Like I can eat hot <laughs> Thai food like four star, four star, five star. But these hot sauces are like I'm not I'm not interested once i get to the one that's basically battery acid i'd be out like i could make it up to like six or seven but that one i'd be like "Mm, no i'm done because it's not even about flavor and they talk about that on the show but Mm -hmm. uh, just to clarify the show itself is called hot ones um but they eat (laughs) but they eat hot wings uh if you guys uh aren't familiar with it it's 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 a youtube show he's put on i think they just finished the 11th or 12th season they've done over 200 episodes um and like Joe was, was talking about, it's really, it's just a guy, his name's Sean Evans. Um, there was not anything that they had planned. They just kind of had this idea. There's a team of eight people that have been putting on the show pretty much the same team the whole time. Um, and they sit down and they have an interview and there are 10 hot wings. And they start with a relatively, you know, standard hot sauce. You got, you know, like a Frank's Red Hot or something just kind of basic, your, your classic buffalo sauce, right? And they move up to like, I just jumped in a volcano and nothing's going to save my mouth for the next 24 hours kind of hot sauce. Yeah. So it's really interesting because they do two things really well on the show. And like, we're talking about genius, right? Um, Sean Evans in his own right is a genius interviewer, not necessarily because of how he conducts himself on set, but he is very professional and very positive, but they do two things amazingly well. One is this twist with the hot wings disarms the guest. When you're worried about your tongue falling off because you just bit in the lava sauce, you know, you kind of don't have that, 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 that initial barrier is gone. So it makes it kind of a more honest interview. The other part, their research team is phenomenal. They get like just off the wall, interesting questions that the interviewee is not expecting. And I'll just throw just a couple of really quick kind of examples that I thought were really interesting. Um, kind of into their past life like with the jeff goldblum who's always a great interview regardless because i he's, love jeff he's jeff goldblum who doesn't <laughs> they he asked him about advice that uh, he has followed throughout his life from um a famous acting coach sandy meisner um who's someone who jeff uh utilized in his early years where you're only interesting with the extent that you are interested and no one had ever asked jeff about this no one had ever talked about this and if you like if you look at Jeff's reply that being engaged in the world that we live and being interested, that's pretty much how Jeff lives his life. You can see that, like how he, every little thing that you do, he gets super interested and like, just like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, that, that's totally it. Like being Jeff and like, you can see how that crafted his life. And that's just one example. These are 30, 40 minute interviews where they can really get, kind of dive deep. Um, Joe, you'd watch the one with the Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Do you want to kind of, talk about anything from that yeah i mean i thought it was interesting how he flipped like 
course, he asked Neil a handful of questions, all stuff that people would probably want to ask Neil. He stayed away from anything that was too overtly negative. Neil's got some shady shit in his past that you're not really too sure of, like how it went. Um, for the most part, nobody really talks about that stuff, though. He's kind of seemed to get a pass on that that whole gig for for a minute. Um, in in this interview, he didn't didn't dig, so it's not hard hitting questions necessarily. But uh, I like how he framed Neil's um, to comment on the scientific nature of other people's medium, right? Because that's one thing Neil's known for, especially on Twitter. Like he'll, you know, that fact's true. And yes, you can, you should be able to grow potatoes in space with your poop. That makes sense. Like, you know, um, you know, but, you know, some other aspects that aren't so true, he'll, he'll be equally vocal about that. And so that's a fun game. He likes to play with uh, his his science denying trolling audience, um, and so I you know obviously by the time they were hitting four wings, Neil was doing stuff that he's never done on any other interview. Right, his professionalism was dropped. You know, at one point he was like, "How you like that, bitches?" I took two bites, bitch. <laughs> Did I just say that? <laughs> he's making me do. He's making me do this. That's pretty hot. That's hot. Like you would never see Neil do that at the observatory on a, you know, on the stage of a physics outlet. Like, and he's one of the more crazy science communicators in general, right? Brian Green and, and, um, you know, those guys are going to be well, much more reserved. Um, so he goes, he goes a little bit, but more as those hot wings kept increasing in temperature, the more you got to Neil as a drinking buddy. <laughs> which was really That's actually interesting what the show captures perfectly yeah. like if mm-hmm. you guys want to watch the shia labeouf episode the paul rudd episode they're not even about like right. it's they've taken the celebrity element out of it it's just two guys sitting in a room like you could easily just be sitting in a bar across from them and they're just kind of living their best life crying over just ridiculously hot wings and so i mean that's it's an amazingly interesting show in my opinion they've, they've captured kind of this perfect element where People, especially in America, like we're a little bit too obsessed with celebrity. Like I can completely admit that. I uh, think that we probably should focus on other things. But, you know, we want to like, we're, we're social creatures. We want to get to know people, especially, you know, in that celebrity element where we feel like they're a part of our lives because we're inundated with them. Right. Like we've watched TV shows. We've watched we've listened to their music, um, you know, whatever element it might be you want to know more about them and kind of feel like you in shows like these really kind of capture that perfectly. And it, and it showcases how good video is too at tugging on the heartstrings and making that connection. Yep. Like mm-hmm. it's, it does something more than in order to do it with writing, your mastery of language has to be really good. Uh, you have to be able to, and, it, and I don't mean even in a collegian sense, I, you know, you could be awesome at text speak in such a way that connects with people at a very deep level. Um, you know, I've not personally seen it, but I could imagine it. Like, I can imagine something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it takes a handful of turns, and, and um, I think it has to, a lot to do with growth, right? Like Neil, um, you know, he leaves that little pass and just does his good work. Um, but then you, you got another artist that we're going to talk about here, Joe Rogan. Um, Joe Rogan is a phenomenal interviewer who does dig deep and ask some of those hard questions. Um, He doesn't sign up interviews just 
and then stay nice to them just so he can interview them again. He asked the questions that, you know, most people want to ask. But then you can look at Joe's past, too, and go, hmm, you know, you kind of kind of play it hard in the patriarchy there, dude. Like, you know, and I'm not throwing stones. What I'm interested, though, is his journey that he is obviously mm-hmm. going on in these last few years, interviewing all people from all over the map, all walks of life, all previous experiences each interview you see him do is a deeper reflection on himself and the thoughtfulness of him checking his own bias and his own position on things. And it's really interesting watching him age and mature. Yeah. Joe Rogan is, he's a powerhouse. He just signed with the Spotify, right? Yeah. Gary would have said that was going to be a bad deal, but we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. We'll definitely see, but he's been building this up for gosh, like you said, I think 20 years now, but I mean, Joe Rogan was a meathead. You know, he, he was the fear factor host. <laughs> he was, he was the man show host way back when comedian that's, yep. you know, yeah. his, his jokes are in that vein, right? Questionables nineties comedy. Oh, we froze Adam. Sorry, guys. My internet just died there for half a second. That's right. (laughs) Michael, you were going to. Yeah. Well, there's one thing I was just I saw a connection back to um, the Jeff Goldblum quote from his acting coach about you're only interesting with the extent that you're interested. But that applies to Joe as well, Joe Rogan, because he is. That's one thing that I love about him as an interviewer is he is so interested in the person he's talking to. And that's that's that unique kind of thing that sets him apart, I think, as an interviewer is he is just like fascinated by it. you watch him with like Elon Musk or someone like that who's a very you know obviously a very smart um intellectual person and he's just like he he dives deep he goes he goes there you know like like you were saying Joe he's he doesn't hold back he asks mm-hmm. the tough questions but he like genuinely cares and is interested um and it just creates like like look when you're watching it even if you know you don't necessarily agree with something that he says because he, you know, it's, it's his show. He has his own opinions in there. Um, you're still like, it's still like satisfying to watch because you can tell he cares. He is, he's in it. Um, and, and he, I think he makes his guests feel, um, you know, love valued and, and heard, even if they, they're disagreeing, you know, he's, he's respectful about it. Um, but yeah, it's just, he's got such a unique style. I think that's why he's, he's, balance their success with this podcast interview format dope smoking with joe rogan does nothing to slow my pace man when i'm building my space it's actual space man (laughs) nice uh one thing i wanted to comment on that too is like like i agree like he's very like interested in like all of his guests and like he he looks like genuinely engaged the whole two hours or three hours however long the interviews are but i think one thing he does that it's like where hot ones disarms you with the the wings and the spiciness. He just disarms you with his like bluntness, and, like he inquisitive just inquisitive right nature. To the point. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he's he, like, what? Tell me. I don't understand. You're gonna have to explain that to me. Yeah. yeah. No one's <laughs> expecting it, like the interviewer to be genuinely interested in like the stuff that he'll bring up sometimes, or like the way he'll just like go right in your face to the point of it, and they'll be like, oh, well, what? okay. Yeah, let's talk about that. I think that ties into Joe's point overall about what makes Joe Rogan so interesting is I really do think 
that, you know, for all of his faults and positives and everything else about Joe Rogan is that when he has these people on, part of what makes him so inquisitive is he wants to take their point of view and he wants to see if that can change his outlook on life, on whatever that element is. Like, he'll actually look at that and be like, does that make sense? Can I change my mind? Um, and I think that's something that we're actually lacking a lot today. And I definitely won't dive into that because, boy, we could have a whole podcast about that. Well, and we've had that conversation before, right? Questioning your own bias and, and uh, interest, good introspection. But the, the thing that's, I think, really showcased well is Joe has this ability to demonstrate that he cares more about the person he's talking about than he does about himself where all the other interviewees are about my great question or a got you moment, or, you know, can I get something out of you that no one's ever heard before Uh, where they're trying to extract something out of the person they're interviewing. They look at them like I'm giving you a shot to pitch your book. You might as well give me something juicy in exchange. Joe's super just interested in just the person and knowing where they came from and how they come to believe or understand and their experiences in life. And it shows. And that's why the damn thing goes three hours sometimes, right? Cause they just don't care about the clock and they're not trying to make, I mean, some of the sound bites are great, right? They cut their micro content too, but um, it's just not about the sound bite. It's not about what I can extract out of the person across from the table. And, you know, I appreciate that the fact that he's got, pretty much every major player on the intellectual dark web on every side of the spectrum from Joe Peterson to Sam Harris, you know, he brings in Weinstein more than anyone else would probably care for just because he's a mathematician guy and likes to talk about his crazy theory of everything. And no one understands, not even physicists understand what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> Everybody's asking for a paper, but Joe keeps bringing him on. I don't know why, um, but he asks those questions and he, and he probes deep and he, you know, I mean, he even questioned Brian Greene on um, on string theory. He's been working on it for 30 years. Like, where the hell is it, dude? <laughs> <laughs> We've got nothing. <clears throat> so um, it, all, it all ties into, too, what you said about the the gatekeepers. I mean, he he started so early on, like when podcasting was barely even a thing. But YouTube is really where they built everything to the size that they are, because I like guess they have those clips. They have those moments like that you can see the celebrity on video, which you already kind of touched on the point of that. And, you know, there was nothing to hold him back. Like he was able to build the content, how he wanted to build it. So, yep. And unlike hot ones though, he had a little bit, right. He already was doing his comedy thing. He was already in the spotlight. And so he had a, not, I wouldn't say a platform, but he certainly had, but they, you know, they had hardly anybody listening to their podcast when they first got started. And it was just them and their friends and that they just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And slowly over time, it really started to build up. And then I think when that introspection really kicked in and he was interested in the person across the desk, boom. And of course, when you have a platform then every famous person who's got a book or movie or whatever wants to be on the show. So then it makes it pretty easy to sustain after that. Right. Um, now, that's still a bit within the framework of what's going on and building uh, an audience and then building a brand out of that. Um, the next one we want to go to, which was Mary was supposed to join us today on this and, and, uh, and she wasn't able to make it. So um, that's okay. But <laughs> she gave us old town road, which was a little bit of homework for me. Cause I didn't know anything about Lil Nas uh, very much, even though I, you know, I'm, 
I'm I'm fairly decent in the hip hop, although I stick to rap battles and ciphers. Um, <laughs> and and you know I wouldn't say Lil Nas has got the best ciphers, but um, man, it, that kid's interesting because he starts off as just producing content on Twitter, just as a attention grabber. Does choose your own adventure stuff, right? Grabs other people's content and and, and rehashes that so that he can build his following. A practice which you know, especially if you're using it as a as a guerrilla tactic that Twitter frowned on. He got quite a large following just doing that. Like and then Twitter kicked him off. And then he was like, screw Twitter, I don't need Twitter. <laughs> and then he built a massive following on YouTube. And uh, in a short order did the um Old Town Road first cut, which then happened to coincide with other social media clips like on Snapchat. Uh, you know, there were some dance moves and, you know, now they have it on Twitter. Like the, there's these background clips. If you are a musician who's lucky enough to get caught up in a viral challenge that has a certain music that you produce in the background, you're going to blow up even if it's a a one-off. Right. And so, I mean, there's all kinds of examples of those guys that happened to old town road, but then that turned into a song everybody liked. They were buying it independently, no gatekeepers, Rose in the country chat, uh, country um, billboards, they cut him out. And Bill Cyrus said, that's bullshit. And then he jumped in and they recut it and then got Chris Rock. <laughs> it's like the thing just exploded. Uh, and, and man, Lil Nas made his own way. And he's a hell of a marketer that he's got the marketing mind. So I don't know about you guys, but, you know, decent song. I like the song. It's all right. But it's a really a good case study in culture and social and how you have control yeah yeah there's there's one interesting thing about that too with um the song really gained popularity initially on tiktok um and it was like this i mean i don't use tiktok personally but i know people who do um i some of our listeners may may be on it i've actually seen quite some good uh pressure washing video content on tiktok um but Lil Nas X, like he, he kind of used TikTok. I mean, people people were doing it, but he engaged with the content. He made this whole yeehaw challenge thing where people were doing this dance with it and stuff. And so it was like this specific. Well, he initiated the challenge. Platform. I believe so. Do you guys know? I believe that's what it was. I, I, is that I think he did. Yeah, on his wow. yeah, TikTok he channel, he it. like he started yeah. the video trend. Wow. And so yeah. it kind of just snowballed from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, the crazy one crazy thing too about this is when initially when the song was released before it was remixed with Billy Ray Cyrus is um the song got so popular basically just because of TikTok that um radio stations were having to uh take the song off of YouTube to play it because it hadn't been officially released in any capacity. Not by any of the major music to- controlling entities no yeah so they had to take it from youtube um to play it because it it was so popular because of social media because really specifically because of tiktok and this this yeehaw challenge and just the fact that it was country and hip-hop and no one really knew where it fit in but it blew up for some reason it's it's kind of a mystery in a way because it's you know like you said joe it's it's good song i guess um i just i just want to point out for for our listeners that yesterday when this came up 
my initial response was, I have no idea what that is. And I'm not even that old. I felt very old, though, during this discussion. I was like, what are we, what? Um, but hey, you know, it is nice that Billy Ray Cyrus does get another hit song after, you know, 30 years. So, I mean, that yeah. song was actually, as long as he's been in the game, that was his first ever number one charting song. Achy Breaky Heart didn't hit number one? No, nope. maybe, maybe, maybe on not the most popular billboards. I'm sure he hit number one on yeah. a country billboard or something, but. I like think, Justin, you're referring to the big, like, the top the, the, 40. Like, the overall, like, top, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, there's a hot 100, yeah, Billboard Hot 100. Right. Mm-hmm. Only one ever, and it's him. With yeah, it was one of those, um, yeah. Unknown rapper. Flash in the pan kind of thing. But That's right. Yeah. His, his EP that he dropped the summer after it came out was actually pretty popular, too. And he had, like, a lot more following after that. And So, I mean, really just capitalizing on, like, his moment and just... Going but for it. it sounds to me like he's a polymath though like he's just used yeah. he just used some of his music chops like as a medium because you know you don't start off with choose your own adventures on twitter you know and and you're just a straight up rapper that's not what happens so right. you know he's got a marketing mind he can see how to capture attention he knows how to use words and and you, now that you're telling me that he started that that country challenge on tiktok that shit was all engineered and it started with him going hmm what's it i'm gonna do some music what's the best way oh let's smash together rap and country people have done that and you know it's been okay but i I can give it a real flavor and then it just started from there i guarantee you that's what happened and and he just engineered the whole freaking thing i think in an interview he said like he wrote that song after he had played red dead redemption 2 which was this big Western video game that came out uh, a couple years ago. And so he wrote the song uh, as a country song, but he's like, well, I'm not like a country musician. I'm a rapper. So he like, like tried to make it a rap song and then went and found a beat that was like, oh, this kind of is like country rap. And then he like, he just downloaded it from the, uh, the guy who made the beat and then just rapped over it or added it, added his vocals to it. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say a quick thing for you guys. If uh, if you like the Western genre, you know how to play video games at all, play <laughs> either the Red Dead Redemption games, and for just one moment, just one moment, trust me on this, play Bon Jovi, uh, uh, Dead or Alive. Want a Dead or Alive? Yeah. Play that song <laughs> while you're doing anything in that game. You'll it's It'll be like the greatest four minutes of your life, pretty much. <laughs> It's true. true. That's a pro tip right there from Adam. (laughs) We'll clip that out. (laughs) Well, guys, I think that uh, came to the end of our off the rails journey here. We hope you enjoyed the break and reprieve. Let us know in the comments if we should never do this again. (laughs) I did did have one story when we were on the hot ones topic. I did. Uh, it kind of slipped through. Bonus, bonus by Justin. Um, when Hot Ones was really like taking off, I think this was like 2017 because that's when that Neil deGrasse Tyson interview came out. Uh, I went online and I bought the hottest sauce that they had on there at the time, and I brought it to the office. Oh. And uh, I had everyone on the development side try it, and that was when Megan was there and uh, um, Alex was there, and I had everyone try it. And it was so funny. It was like right before lunch, so no one had eaten. Everyone's stomach was empty. 
and I kind of just disrupted the whole office for like a good hour because, like, I think, uh, um, oh god, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Lee, uh, uh, he took like the biggest like dose of it, or like he put the most amount on his chip, and he was just gone. Like I didn't see him for an hour. Uh, gave some to Aaron. Aaron ate it and just was like, "All right," and went back to his desk. <laughs> and, like nothing had happened. That doesn't surprise me somehow. <laughs> uh, Alex was like doing. Pa- Lee was like pasting around the office, just like, and it was it was it was a great moment. <laughs> do you, you have some milk? Uh, no, I had like water. Everyone was just like chugging water. <laughs> How is it that our videographer brought? the hottest sauce to give to the entire development team that didn't record it and didn't record it. You know what? That You're was, killing me, brother. That was my mistake. <laughs> What's it to do it again? Hot yeah. challenge service monster. Yeah. They'll have to do it from home though. So like <laughs> yeah. orange food coloring. Oh, it's nothing guys. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> this is all bonus content. Anyways, back when I was in college, uh, we had this local wing shop that would pretty much, they had like, their normal scale and then they had like the you know the back room scale where the frat bros were like oh i can i can do like a 10 you know i can do it so we got like 40 of these wings before one of the games and um we ate them really fast like idiots and i vividly remember i don't remember the next like 20 minutes because it was just a lot of just like frantic like trying to put the heat out but my roommate at the time just ran to the fridge and grabbed a brand new tub of sour cream and just opened it up and just started spooning sour cream in his mouth. Just like oh, making gross. Oh, you ate like half the tub. It was so funny. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Moral of the story is oh, be careful with spicy foods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, all right. So I do have a spicy story. <laughs> so my um, business partner from the last venture, um, we worked in Denver and we lived in Sacramento. So we're flying back and forth every week. And uh, so, you know, we ate out every night and it was just Steve and I in this one uh, case because there was three of us usually. So it was a rare occurrence. Him and I li- like love Thai food and our other partner didn't. And so we never got Thai unless we were solo or it was just Steve and I. So we go in and, uh, you know, we we dine with each other more than our families. And so, you know, we're like, let's get some hot. And so the lady comes out and like it's the typical one to four in your Thai place, which is the American scale. Um, so because if you're Thai, they'll say one to ten. And so um, so that was, you know. That was the scale that we were presented when we were like, no, 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 give us the good stuff. And so we both got sevens, right? Didn't want to ruin the meal, but definitely wanted to add that element. And, um, you know, we didn't die, especially during the meal. But by the time we got back in the car, it was like our both of our systems were under stress. I'm sweating like crazy. I don't feel really good. Like my breath is short. Like my body's flipping out. I had some sort of response, right, <laughs> to the heat that I consumed that was now sitting in my gut. Uh, and he had the kind of that same reaction. So, and that was a seven. 
Oof. That was a seven. I mean, there are parts of the world where like 10 is not a big deal, right? That they give that to their two-year-olds. <laughs> That's, That's how it works, though, because like if, if they start them young, you know, you just get used to it. Like one of my yeah. friends, I, I mean, he eats like nines and tens like it's nothing. Whereas all, all, I'm pretty much, I'm, I feel like I'm decent. Like if I got a five or a six, I, I, I wouldn't like, you know, be putting on a, a scene. But if you get to that like crazy echelon, like I'm not, nah, I'm out. And I could see too, like from that one seven experience, if you're in an interview environment, it has a certain amount of tension and push and pull anyways. By the time you're sweating like crazy, like, you know, you don't care about your makeup anymore. You don't care about what you have on. Like, you know, you're cared about being comfortable and and your brain, your psyche is really opened up at that point, especially if you still are pushing like, OK, I'll answer these questions. I, you know what would be the equivalent for me? But I couldn't do it would be brain freeze. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's just continue to give you brain horrible. freezes over and over of progressing <laughs> intensity. So you have to show idea, guys. Let's do it. Increasingly oh, God, no. colder, like popsicles or something. <laughs> Liquid <laughs> nitrogen, <laughs> frozen death. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Sounds horrible. Uh, anyway. All right. Uh, very good. We'll see what Justin keeps out of all this hot mess. Yeah, it's all going <laughs> in. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Thank you so much for your attention. Hey, Pay attention and watch for that announcement about the show, uh, the Service Monster Cleaning Symposium. And please join us for that. And uh, if you have any ideas, things that you want to talk about, questions you'd like us to answer, send them our way. It's support at servicemonster.net. Thanks, Justin, for hanging out. Michael no and Adam, until next time, guys, have a great day.